We've, uh, we've just finished a couple of uh, long series. Over the summer, we did like 12 weeks in Romans. Uh, then we just did uh, eight weeks of failing forward with Moses. So we're going to do a quick, a quick one, just, uh, just to get us to Thanksgiving. Uh, we're calling it God's Generosity. And this week is the so-called, the so-called curse. When I, was, uh, when I was in high school, I think it was after my junior year, uh, this was, I mean, normally back in the day when, before high school became this competitive sport, uh, it was like you, you got off during the summer, and the summer was like a time of freedom, or you would get a job or something. Well, when I was in high school, we started going to summer school, not because I'd failed anything, but to get ahead so I could get a higher GPA, so I could get to go to Harvard. Didn't make it to Harvard, but uh, that's okay. I'm not too upset about it. But I do remember uh, the, my junior year, the last, the last day of summer school, uh, a couple of my, I had four real, or three really good friends in, in, in high school, and we're still really good friends today. And uh, we, we made a plan where we were going to ditch school and go to Disneyland. Um, but we were, we were good kids, and so we told our parents about it. We're like, hey, parents, you know, we've done this. It's supposed to be fun. It's summertime. Can we please just not go to school this last day and go to Disneyland? Parents are like, yeah, that's fine. No big deal. So we did, and we have this amazing day, wonderful day, really, really fun. Uh, one, of the, one of the best days of my high school experience, I remember. We just, it was just one of those magical days where Disneyland like, just nails it. And uh, we were going home, and so we, uh, we, my buddy Jared dropped uh, me off at home, and I walked in the house, and my dad says, hey, Tom, um, did Brad go to Disneyland with you? I was like, yeah, Brad went to Disneyland. Uh, we had a great time. Brad, my, my buddy Brad Poon, he um, just an awesome kid, kind of a spaz, uh, a lot of fun. He's like, well, it's weird because um, Brad's dad called, and he said he didn't know where Brad was, and the school, I guess, called him. And, and the school didn't know where Brad was, and so no one knows where Brad is. Like, well, no, he's in the car. He's about to get dropped off at, at, at his house. And Dad's like, I think Brad's in for a lot of trouble. Uh, Dr. Poon, Brad's dad, was a very severe man. <laughs> he, re- he really believed in, in, in sticking to your guns. And Brad knew that if he told his dad about Disneyland, his dad would say no. And he wanted to go, so he just did it. What a study. He never told any of us. We had no idea. The whole day, he knew he was, going, he was walking back into the jaws of, of his father. And he did it anyway. Well, we didn't see Brad for the rest of the summer. Uh, he, uh, he disappeared. We were kind of worried that he was dead. Uh, but, but no, sure enough, on the first day of school, he showed up. Like, Brad, where have you been? He's like, oh, dude, my dad did not let me leave the house for a month. Like, oh, man. No video games, no movies, nothing. He sat in his room for a month to pay for his one day at Disneyland. And Brad looks at us and he goes, you know what? It was worth it. (laughs) That's a good punishment. Brad's dad knows how to punish. Uh, Punishment, a good punishment is is the, the punishment that takes away the thing you want most. Right? And it shows you how severe your, your actions have been. So the thing that you love, that is, that is torn away from you. Today we're going to see God punish. But God doesn't punish like we punish. We'll see that. So we're going to start in Genesis 1. Uh, this is uh, the, 
the, the creation of human beings and then um, their, their mission in the world. So let's read it together. So God created uh, humankind, mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. It's a, it's a cool text um, in, in, in his image. We, we say that we're made in the image of God. Well, if you look at the text, you can see what the image of God is. I mean, it's a male and female, he created them. Notice that God blesses us. Right? Blessed Adam and Eve. Meaning that God put you know, his power, his, um, his good favor on this image. Uh, to make it so that, that they would be able to accomplish it. They're going to be fruitful and multiply. They're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. The reason, uh, it's kind of poetic here. The, the fish of the sea, right? That's like underwater, underground, right? Then the birds of the air, that's like up there as, as high as you can go, right? Human beings in the ancient world, they didn't really, they didn't think you could go much further than the, the birds go. Um, and then, then everything that's on the ground, right? And the idea being that everything that's been created, all of creation, human beings, you're gonna rule over it. You're gonna have power over it. The question is, what is, what is, why, why, why? What, what's, what's the deal? What's, what is it that God's doing? And if you've, uh, if you've seen the second Austin Powers, you know exactly what God is doing. He's creating mini-me's. Okay? <laughs> mini-me's. Dude, you should, <laughs> the 90s, wow. You go back, this movie does not hold up at all. Uh, except for the part, mini-me is like, so that's Dr. Evil, Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil has a son. His son is Scott. His son is a disappointment to him. And so what Dr. Evil does is he creates a miniature version of himself to carry on the family business, right? Dr. Evil is out trying to control the world, get rich doing it. And Scott, his son, is just lazy and doesn't care. And so, so Dr. Evil is super disappointed, creates Mini-Me to follow in his footsteps to do what, uh, what a doctor of evil ought to do. And it is pretty great when uh, Austin Powers at the end is fighting him, and, and he's losing, and so finally he just picks him up and throws him into the wall. <laughs> I mean, terrible, of course, but it's kind of funny. I thought it was funny. I'm a bad person. All right. Uh, well, in the ancient worlds, uh, when, when you, you talked about a salem or an image of, 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 a, of a deity, the idea was that the image of the deity would be a mini-me of the deity that would rule in the, de- in the deity's stead, Okay. So, like, if you went to, you know, Babylon, um, and you, you were looking for the image of God, you would look for the king. The king was the mini-me of the, of, of, the, of the god of Marduk or whoever, and this mini-me would act as Marduk acts, okay? So, if Marduk were there, he would be like, hey, let's, let's, all, let's kill the weak and, you know, and favor the strong. And so, Babylonian image of God, the Marduk's mini-me would do that, and so he was a terrible human being. And he really did. He, he went out and he oppressed the weak and he favored the strong, right? So the image of God is little mini-me's who, who take on the nature and character of the deity and represent that to the world. So when God says, when Yahweh says, uh, the, the Bible says Yahweh created human beings, male and female, in God's image, it means that, that all humanity, not just kings, but every human being, every king, queen, we're all kings and queens. We're all called to be little mini-me's going and being like God in the world. 
And what is God like? Next slide. God is the creator, the generous creator God. Right? God lives in eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit, first, second, third persons of the Trinity in, in, in endless communal love, and that love spills out into this massive creative event where everything in the world comes and we're, we're almost saturated by possibility, endless possibility, fabulous plants and animals and stars and sun. This, this whole universe is just a gift of God's generous creative power. And, and because God is gracious and generous, he expects human beings to be many gods, many gracious, giving, generous little beings. And what that will look like is we're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to multiply, we're going to fill up the earth. That's why we're male and female, right? Because God wants us to procreate and, and fill up the earth. And then we're going to have dominion. We're going to cultivate the earth, right? The rule, we're supposed to rule, but we're supposed to rule like God, and just as God is generous and gracious, so also are we called to be generous and gracious, to fashion the world in, in the ways that we're pleasing to God. Well, you know the story. It's one of the most famous stories in, in all of uh, history, where Adam and Eve, they're given this, this, this money. Oh, that's the first thing you wrote, Jesus. Let's have a note. God asks humans to continue his generous cultivation of the universe. Universe, by the way, uh, the Hebrew there for, uh, it does say earth, but it also says world. Uh, I think that means that we should totally colonize Mars. I'm a big fan of colonizing Mars and going to space. We were watching The Martian last night. That's an awesome movie. And I think we should do that. Anyway. No, I really do. I really think that that, that would be a, a, a continuation of the image of God, but whatever. Let's not fight about Space exploration. Um, things don't go the way they're supposed to, right? You know, the, the, the devil kind of working through a snake, right, tempts Adam and Eve. Eve bites. She's like, honey, this is good. He's like, oh, you're right, it is. And now God's got to punish. God's got to but we're going to see that the way he punishes is radically, radically generous. So let's continue. Let's, uh, let's, let's jump forward to, to Genesis 3. Uh, Adam and Eve, they've just made a big no-no. Uh, the devil working through the snake has tempted them and succeeded. And Yahweh God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you. Cursed are you. Snake cursed, not Adam and Eve. Cursed are you among all animals, wild creatures. Upon your belly you'll go. Dust you shall eat. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your children and hers. He will strike your head. You will strike his heel. This is a figuration of Christ. Of course, uh, every time you see a snake, uh, it, the proper thing to do is to kill it. It is appalling that some of you have snakes as pets. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Snakes are, they're just, they, they were created to die. Um, and ultimately, uh, Jesus is the, the ultimate manifestation of this, right? Like, he, when he defeats the devil, he's, he's kind of smacking um, the, the, the head of the devil. And that's, that's a, it's a prefiguration of, of that. So, so God curses the serpent, curses the snake. What does he do to us? Well, let's keep going. To the woman, he says, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth children. I strongly disagree with this uh, translation. The greatly increase is true, but um, 
the, the pain, the problem is, is that the, the word that gets uh, translated as pain here, or pangs, is usually the, a term for emotional um, travail. Okay? It's usually a word uh, for, and always, except for in this text, according to the translators. Uh, it's always a word for emotional travail, of like psychological suffering. Okay? Um, and I think that the, the, if you look at the old King James, the old King James will say, um, I greatly increase your, your sorrows in childbearing, and in sorrow you will bring forth children. Um, I think that's better than our modern translations, because what's going on here? And I want you to think about this. Okay? Having kids was always going to hurt. Okay? And we know this, because if you've seen it happen, and I have thrice, you know that something very large must pass through something not very large, and that hurts. Okay? That was always going to happen. Childbirth was always going to be painful. Um, and, and this is, you know, but, but, there's, but now something's different, okay? Something's different. What's happened is now the, the woman's being expelled from Eden, expelled from paradise, okay? And there, you know, they were with God all the time, and everything was provided for them, and they, they had nothing to worry about, right? Now they're going to be outside of the garden where there's lack, there's suffering, there's, there's danger, couple pictures here of uh, some of the sorrows of childbirth. The first um, on the top right there is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who struggle getting pregnant. Um, in, this, uh, in this church, I know we have people who desperately have wanted kids, and that's really, really hard. Um, about five women every uh, hour, I think, die in childbirth. Uh, around the world. It's a very, very dangerous process. Um, in the first world, we're, we're inoculated from, uh, uh, from that to a fair extent, but uh, even now, I mean, it's, it's dangerous. Um, and moreover, when, when you have a child, uh, there's no guarantee that your child's going to make it. Uh, and, you know, women especially are very aware of the fragility of human life. And so I think what's actually happening is God's not saying this is going to hurt physically more. It was always going to hurt. I think what God's saying is once you're outside of paradise, once you're outside of the safety of this garden where everything's lavished on you and given to you, now what's going to happen is childbirth is going to be terrifying for you. It's going to be emotionally really difficult. It's going to be more dangerous for you. Uh, for those of you who are you know, trying to, to, to have kids or that's been a, a struggle for you, um, just know that uh, that, that has, has, you know, God is with you and God loves you and, um, and, and you're not alone in it. I do have some happy news, though. Uh, last night, 5.30 p.m., uh, my brother-in-law, well, his wife, my sister-in-law, uh, gave birth to a brand-new baby boy. There he is. They would be sitting there, but uh, she's recovering. Unnamed as yet. They're waiting. So it's been almost, it's been over 12 hours, no name yet. Uh, so if you have uh, recommendations, text them to me. I'll send them over. I'm thinking Jehoshaphat. 
Because you want a good, like, Old Testament name. I think Jehoshaphat's really good. Better than Marduk. <laughs> Better than Marduk. Marduk. <laughs> Don't call your kid Marduk, right? Um, the first thing your note sheets, though, uh, is... Wait, where's the note sheets? Oh, not yet. Okay, you're right. All right, so that's the first thing. Childbirth, scary, emotionally, you know, tough. What's the second thing? All the, the favorite texts are feminists. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Here's my point. Though. My point is, this isn't a curse, okay? God's, God's not saying, I'm doing this to you. He's like, once I, well, here's what I am doing. I'm kicking you out of the garden. But once that happens, this is what's going to happen to you. I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm not putting man to, to rule over you. I'm not forcing you to want, uh, to have a desire for your husband. I'm just telling you this is what's going to happen, okay? And the reason is, once you're away from the garden where everything's lavishly provided for you, guess what? Survival is going to be hard. Okay? And it turns out that you're probably just physiologically not going to be equal to the task. Okay? Uh, by, from a physiological per- perspective, even though I know that it's no longer popular to say this, it's true. From a physiological perspective, like, in general, men are stronger than women. Okay? They're, they're more capable of doing physical labor than ladies. Yes, it's not always the case. Yes, my wife could totally beat me up. I get that. But, like, in gen, honestly, if we really threw down, I bet I could take her. <laughs> I'd have to go fast because she has way more endurance. But if I got one solid hit in, I think I I think I'd, could do it. I'm not going to try it, but that that that's possible. And because that's possible, that's why that's why next next slide here uh, Samuel Colt invented guns. Okay, all right. This is Erin. She's you know practicing for our next argument, um, and. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but seriously though, uh, the, the problem in the ancient world, and what we've noticed, and this is why, this is why we have feminism, is women have noticed, wow, they're super dependent on, on men, and men can be abusive. Men can be bad. And so the whole point of feminism is like, we've got to uh, level the playing field here. And that's why Samuel Colt, God created man and woman, Samuel Colt made them equal. That's the, that's the quote. Uh, because now we, we're trying to level this playing field. The, the, the world after Eden is unfair. In the world after Eden, women are going to long for a, a man who can protect and provide. Right? Because if you're out there and you have to work the soil all the time, that's really, really hard. And so the, the, women, the, 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 the husband's going to rule not because that's a good thing, but because he's stronger. And in the ancient world, men took advantage of that. This is the second thing you note sheets. After Eden, forming families become scary and dangerous. Forming families become scary and dangerous. And, and lest you think that forming families is, uh, just means getting married and having kids, that's not the case. You can be a part of family formation as a single you can be part of a family formation um, as a couple that's childless. You can be part of family formation insofar as you're part of the church, right? Insofar as you're part of the church, you are part of forming this family. And even this is scary and dangerous after Eden. So that's the woman. What happens to the man? Adam. And to the man, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten. Okay, it's not, guys, this is not like, oh, you should never pay attention to your wife. That's not what God means here. It just means that, like, you shouldn't do the wrong thing when someone tempts you. And to the man, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. You'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, you are dust. And to dust you will return. Again, I want you to notice here, God's not doing anything to the man except for taking him out of the garden. He's running from the garden. He's cursing the ground, yes, but he's not cursing the man. Okay? That's important for later. Thorns and thistles, it will bring forth for you. See, what Adam and Eve are used to is they're used to, like, living in paradise. Where, like, you know, the banana, the, like, a banana would fall from the tree, right? And they would eat it. And if they didn't eat it, another... Bananas come from trees, right? I was like, is it a vine? <laughs> like, how's the science here? Okay, so, so bananas fall from the tree, and you either eat it or, or you let it like, sit there, and it'll make another banana tree. You don't have to do anything. It's, like the, it's awesome. It's the, it's the dream, right? You're just sitting there, and bananas everywhere, and strawberries, and blueberries. It's fun. Leave the garden, and suddenly... Uh, this cursed ground is you know, it's going to be hard to make bananas and olives. It's going to require a lot of effort. And there's no guarantees. In 2016, the federal government uh, put together a list of the most dangerous jobs in the United States of America. Um, the top 35. Very interesting. So first they, they did the, the, the most dangerous jobs. And then what they did is they correlated that to um, the gender breakdown of who takes these jobs. Right? It's very interesting. So the, the higher the mortality rate of the job, the more the job tends to be male-dominated. It's very interesting. So uh, at the, the, high, the bottom right there, logging, it's the most dangerous job in the United States of America in terms of mortality rate. It is 97, 98.6% male. Only like 1.4% of loggers are female. Even though there's no law against females being involved in logging. Uh, likewise, um, the top left there, uh, high construction. Top right, commercial fishing. And the, the bottom left, uh, plumbing. All these have extremely high mortality rates relative to um, the jobs as a whole. And they're almost entirely dominated by men. And the reason is that uh, when push comes to shove, just the way that people self-select. I mean, here in America, there's no, anyone can be anything, right? But women tend to select away from these jobs, and men tend to select towards these jobs. Because men have recognized that, in general, they're the ones who are, are going to be able to do it. And, and, and in Eden, it would have been great. You know, you would have just, if you wanted to go fishing, you'd be like, fish, come. And the fish would jump and you'd just eat it, right? You know, if you wanted to cut down a tree and make a house, be like, tree, drop. Be like, tree, house. I mean, that's kind of how it was. But as soon as the ground gets cursed and as soon as um, they're out, it, it, it gets really, really scary and dangerous. And that's the next thing in your note sheets after Eden, cultivating the earth becomes scary and dangerous. Cultivating the earth becomes scary and dangerous. Did you notice, though, all the things that happened, right? So, 
Forming families is going to become scary and dangerous. Cultivating the earth is going to be scary and dangerous. But you're still going to be called to do those things. When God created humanity, he gave us a special mission, a task to be his mini-me's, to go out and to fill up the world with families and to to cultivate and and make beautiful uh, the world that we live in, to protect and, and, and develop and make it wonderful. And when humanity is at its worst, when humanity does the one thing that God says don't do, when God's got to take out the punishment, instead of taking away our mission, he just made it harder. See, Brad, Brad lost the thing that he wanted most, and that was to hang out with his friends and leave the house and play video games. He lost it all. Because that's what a good punishment does. A good punishment finds the thing that you need, that your kid needs the most. Their, their, their iPads and their Nerf guns, whatever it is. And, and, you, and you take that away. And that shows them how serious you are. What God does instead is he does not take it away. Instead what he does is he puts a barrier in between us and what we're called to do. I got a picture of, uh, two pictures of Orange County. I mean, it's not quite Eden, but it's close. It's pretty good. That's uh, San Clemente and then the Irvine Spectrum. Whew. We seriously do have it pretty good here. But do you notice, you notice that, that what's happened, right? What's happened in the aftermath of Eden, right? Did, did people stop forming families and did people not cultivate the earth? No, we've created here... Um, Probably the most beautiful. I mean, if, if God was sitting there and he's like, he's like, I'm giving you my image. Your mini-me's, I want you to go out and be generous and cultivate and be radically gracious and make this place beautiful. Dude, mission accomplished. Like, just look out the door. We, yes, we're doing it. But the, the, the only difference is that instead of it just being like, whoa, Orange County, it was really hard. To get where we are today from, from where we were, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, a ton of blood, sweat, and tears had to be poured into this place. In a way, that's kind of a blessing. Well, the first thing, uh, just go, go back to the note sheet, note sheet here. Uh, you know, the so-called curse forces us to depend on God as we fulfill our call. To call. The call is still there, right? We're still supposed to go and be mini-me's mini doing what God has tasked us to do. Form families, cultivate, make the earth beautiful. But, but the difference now is it's hard and it's scary and it's dangerous, and so we have to depend on God as we do it. Okay? That's, the, 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 that's it. That's the difference. That's what happens. That's, you know, in the garden, God tried the garden. Hey, I'm going to give you everything easy, easy, you know, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And, and that didn't go well. Okay? So now the only difference here is it's going to be dangerous and scary. And you're going to have to depend on me to do what I've called you to do. After three years, I finally finished my manuscript for the commentary on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, I turned that sucker in, 94,132 words, on Friday. 
I'm terrified because I'm figuring my editor is going to be like, rewrite the whole thing. In which case, I'm probably going to jump off a cliff. <laughs> After it was done, like when I, when I hit the send button, it used to be you had to like print it out and like hand it to someone. Now you just send. It was like, wow. I've been working on this thing for three years. Writing, rewriting, just. And man, I, I got to tell you, I feel kind of, I feel pretty proud of myself. I feel really good about this. <laughs> don't, don't worry, about 35 people will buy it, so big, big win. Um, no, but, uh, you know, it, it, imagine, though, imagine, like, what it would be like to write a book in the Garden of Eden. Like, oh, it's done. Imagine, uh, you know, I, I, there's people here who've like built their own house. Blows my mind. I mean, you know, John, you built a house. John, did, how'd you feel when you finished that sucker? Really good. Like, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You built a house. But it was probably pretty hard to do, right? Like, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that's real easy to build a house. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how challenging projects for us are the things that we value the most? Like, they're the things that bring us a ton of joy? You know, we do these events at, at church here. And, like, Jeannie is kind of the mastermind behind Jeannie, say hi. Hi, Jeannie. She's like, don't look at me. Jeannie, Jeannie has a, like a sort of a nervous breakdown before every single event. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, I, I, I love not participating in it. I just love being like, Jeannie, this is great. She's like, she's crying. This is a disaster. Everything's falling apart. Everything. And I'm just giving her a hug, being like, no, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then we get done with it, and we see everyone like, and it's like, that was blood, sweat, and tears. And the joy that comes from it is that Jeannie really pours her heart out and really sacrifices to make it happen. And that's constitutive. That's part of the joy of being a human being. It's, it, we're at our most satisfied, most joyful when we are depending on God as we move through extremely challenging things. And that's not just you know, your work. It's forming families as well. Like it, that's, If family life were easy... It, no, it would be, there wouldn't be any fun in it. The stuff that comes easy to you is the stuff you don't value. It's like you just throw it away. That's why, I mean, my car is super dirty. And everyone's like, how come your car is so dirty? Why don't you get off your lazy butt and wash the thing? It's because I don't care about it. It came easy to me. I, you know, I paid it off. I don't think about it. I don't, it's just nothing to me. It's, it's, a, it's just a way to get from A to B. However... There are things that where it's like, oh my gosh, this is a mountain i got to climb. And if I'm not depending deeply on God as I'm doing it, and, and we're navigating the challenges together, like, and then in and through that, it becomes this, this incredibly joyful experience. You see, what happened was God gave us everything. And he made it super easy. And we just threw it away. 
And instead of punishing us, instead of taking away joy, instead of taking away satisfaction, God is exceedingly generous. And so what he does is he's like, I got a better plan for you. It's a scary plan. It's a dangerous plan. And it's going to be really hard and there's going to be heartache. But in the middle of it, if you do it right, if you depend on me, you can still do what I've called you to do and it will give you incredible joy and satisfaction. So we're called to cultivate. I hope you've noticed that uh, when I say cultivate here, I don't just mean like working the land. Uh, and I don't think God did either. Um, God does curse the ground and make you know, life hard. But uh, I think that really what's going on there is he's just making it difficult to accomplish the task of ruling over in a generous way. And that means anytime you're adding value to the world, you are cultivating it. You're part, you're part of the image of God. You are doing what God has tasked you to do. So you don't have to like make a garden to, to be doing what God's, you can do a lot of different things. So like you write books, you can teach, you can, you know, make a lot of money and then give it away. You can, uh, I have, there's all kinds of fun, crazy things that y'all do. And those are all wonderful things. Family formation and any sort of value adding work is part of cultivating the world. It's part of fulfilling your image as, as, as a God, as a image bearer of God. And so you've been called to cultivate. When I, maybe just a couple gut check questions to, to see if, if we're actually fulfilling this the way God's called us to do it. So the first question is this. What have I done that I'm most proud of and how hard was it? You know, very few people are going to be like, you know what? When I, when I really, probably the best time of my life was after I finished Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 and I got a platinum trophy you know, I sunk about 65 hours into that thing, and I re- you know what? I am really, really proud. Of- no! That's not what anyone's proud of. What, what you're proud of is the, is the family that you, you're a part of and that you help shape. What you're proud of is, is the, the, the challenging projects that you take on in, in, in the church or, or in your work life or in, in any other part of your life. Those are the things. And you'll notice that the ones that, you, that matter the most to you are the ones that you sweated and bled and cried the most over. And that means that you should keep, you should look for challenging things to do. Number two, do I have any significant challenges or am I on easy street? This is primarily for you who are retired or semi-retired. You're like, I put in my 50 years or whatever, I'm just taking it easy now. Wrong! Once you retire, that's when you, that's when you really get to work. You're going to need to help out with the grandkids. You need to serve at the church. You need to get your button gear. None of this easy street nonsense. Or, if you're like me, you only work one day a week, you need to have other things that you're doing to supplement. All, the point here is what, no, one, no one should be just sitting around, okay? You do that and you're, you're, you're sort of missing the opportunity to be a part of, of what God's called you to do. Number three, am I depending on God in prayer and worship to complete this challenge? I talk to a lot of people, you know, usually it's when things are going really badly that people call me. Um, and that's, that's a good thing, it's part of the job. Um, but one of the things that's, uh, that human beings, you know, we're, we're just wired, we would just want to do it on our own. And what's crazy is when challenges and when difficult things in life arise, 
that's when the most spiritual growth happens. Because that's when you're, you're, you're the, you know, your legs have been kicked out from under you and you have to depend on God. And the, the challenge is, is, that, is that even when you know, you're not battling cancer, even when uh, the people in your life aren't dying, even in, in those, that's when you, that's when you should, should really be, that's when it's harder to be in prayer and worship. That's when it's harder to be humble. That's when it's harder to, be, to stay the course. Everybody prays when they're dying. But we forget to pray when we're living. And what's really weird is, is that, that as you're fulfilling you know, this, this call to generously cultivate the world around you and to generously cultivate this family that God has given you, when you're, when you're doing that, if you're doing that in a place of dependency, in a place of prayer and worship, if that's how you're doing it, then you will be experiencing the most joyful, satisfied place that a human being can be in. It just doesn't get better than that. So this week, uh, with God's generosity, you know, the so-called curse, even in punishment, God's radically generous to us, and he calls us to be radically generous. Next week, uh, we're going to look at Jesus, um, his, uh, his theology of abundance, his, his recognition that, that, that the creation of God is, is, is recklessly generous and re- recklessly gracious. So uh, we'll move back together for that. Uh, let me pray. Gracious God, we, um, we thank you that you've called us to a task. We acknowledge that it's scary and it's dangerous um, to be for- forming families. It's scary and it's dangerous to to, to work and rule the earth in a, in a, in a gracious and, and generous way like you've called us to. And yet, God, we also confess and we, we acknowledge that if we depend on you, we pray to you and we worship you, that you have really amazing things for us, that you have joy for us, that you've, you've blessed us even in, our, even in our punishment and you continue to be gracious, you continue to bless you continue to see us thrive and, and, and abound. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's uh, just really battling and really challenged um, in, in the spheres of family formation, in the, in the sphere of, of, of work and cultivation, where, wherever those, um, those deep and, and brutal challenges are, God, I just pray that you'll be present to them and you'll, you'll, you'll be a, a part of them, that people will see uh, that you have a joy waiting for them at the end. And God, for all of us, I ask that whether we're on easy street or, or battling deeply, that we'll be dependent on you, that we'll be living and, and working and, and doing life with you and through you and not on our own. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.